Um, the passage this morning is quite long, so I'm just going to um, keep jumping into verses. But if you've got a Bible app on your phone, or if you've got a Bible, or you're going to turn to Judges chapter 6, and I'll keep jumping in and hopefully remember to tell you which verse we're at. Um, <clears throat> this is the third talk we've had on heroes. Um, my hero is Gideon. I nearly went with David because I quite like David, but Gideon's just this, I love the fact that he was just this timid, scared young lad, and God just came in and said, right, let's deliver the Israelites from from these enemies. So, Gideon, um, just to give you a bit of context, first of all, the Gideon, we find Gideon in the book of Judges, and Judges takes place in the Israelites' history. They've come out of Egypt, walked through the desert with Moses, and then um, Joshua led them into the promised land, and they fought all of the... Uh, native people in Joshua and had battles at Jericho and all those good things. And then Judges, we find that they've settled. Joshua's not long since died. And judge, um, Judges covers about 300 years of history for the Israelites. And there's eight or nine Judges that we read about over that time. And they're not necessarily Judges over the entire nation of Israel. I like um, Some of them are geographically constrained to certain areas, depending on which enemy was invading from which areas. And you read about people like the Philistines and the Amalekites, and these are the Midianites we hear about here. Um, So that's sort of a flavor of of where they're at. And and, and Israel's going through this sort of yo-yo of turning to God, and everything's going great for them, and then they turn their back on God, and then everything goes wrong, and then they turn to God again, and the judge comes along. And it's kind of, you'd think that they'd learn their lesson, but we're human, aren't we? So, Gideon. Find Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And I just want to, today I think I want to talk about what does, it, what does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to be humble before God and be selected by God for something? When we meet Gideon in um, Judges chapter 6, he's, he's this young lad and he's threshing wheat in a wine press, which basically means he's took wheat which grows on us on stalks like corn and he, he's basically beating all the planty bits out of it to get the seeds out of it and he's doing it in a wine press because there's these people called the Midianites who invaded Israel and they were a nomadic people who just basically went through places <clears throat> consumed all the resources pushed all the people out and then moved on somewhere else so the Israelites have got nothing and he's hiding his food from people basically because they're going to come and take it off him I don't I don't know who grow, grew it but he's doing something with it to make something of it. And he's doing it in secret. And an angel comes down to him and says, Mighty warrior, mighty man of courage. You see this in verse 12. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Isn't that fantastic? Is this kid hiding, doing some menial task. And an angel appears to him and says, You're a mighty warrior. And he was like, I don't see any evidence of that, to be honest. Mr. Angel, I'm just here messing about with some food. Um, and then he says, pardon me, but if God's with us, where's he been all this time? Why are we at the hands of the Midianites? And why do you want to use me? There's an old saying that goes, um, God has a habit of taking nobodies and making them into somebodies. This is the third hero you've heard about today. And all three of the people you've heard about, and you're going to hear about another one next, next week. They were nothing in the eyes of man. Peter was a fisherman. What good was a fisherman in terms of leading people and starting a movement? 
What good Mary was just a young girl, a teenager, and God descended on her life, put a hand on her, put his hand on her and said, You're gonna change the world, Mary. Isn't that incredible? The starting point for Gideon was he was just threshing wheat, he was just making some food for people, he was serving people, giving them something to eat in a time of famine. And yet God came down and said, You were gonna lead an army and you're gonna defeat a people. He must have been thinking, What? Me? doing this he was just a young lad and he goes on and he gives some more excuses in verse 15 how can i save israel my clan is the weakest in manasseh and i am the least in my family he was a nobody he had nothing to offer in terms of military strategy fighting capability but he was a servant he was a servant first that's the first thing we hear about him serving people giving them food In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, we have one of my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible. It's when Samuel goes to anoint David as the next king. And he goes to the house of Jesse, like God's told him. And Jesse lines up all his sons, big strapping lads, handsome, intelligent, could swing a sword like no one. The first one called Eliab, Samuel looks at him and thinks, "Look look at the size of that guy. He would make a fabulous king. And he was ready to anoint him right there and then. And God says, whoa, 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 no, not him. I don't want him. Move him on. And he goes through all of his sons until he gets down and there's none left. He says to Jesse, well, this can't be all your sons because God said no so far. And he says, well, there's, there's a, like a little lad out in the field keeping sheep. He's, but we didn't think you'd want to talk to him. He's a shepherd. He's, he's nobody. Samuel says, bring him here. And he walks to the door. And God says, him. I want him. Because this verse here, you look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. The first thing that God looks at when he, when he selects a leader, he selects a champion, someone who's going to lead his people. How is your heart? What's your character like? We can ask ourselves that question, can't we? How is our heart? Are we serving? The fact of the matter is that it doesn't matter how good we are at something. Gideon could have been the most amazing military leader but he needed to operate in God's strength. And the fact of the matter is God, God can fill in the gaps in your abilities, but he can't fill in the gaps in your character. If you're proud, if you're selfish, if you want to push your own agenda, those are the things that we, God can't use those things. God needs you to be humble. doesn't matter how good you think you are at something, God can use you. Your potential is not in your ability, it is in your heart. So, back to Gideon. Gideon gives all these excuses to the angel and says, well, I'm, a, I'm weak, I'm nobody. But okay, if you, if you say you are who you are, I'll follow you. So he's reluctant, but he's willing. And reluctance and willingness, we almost, I sometimes think they're the same thing. They're not, they are miles apart from each other. Reluctance is closer to willingness. It's saying, I'll do it, but, and that's sometimes a good thing. Gideon says, I'll do it, but you're going to have to help me out here. And the angel says, well, God is with you. You're going to be doing it in God's strength. I'll be with you, and you're going to do it my way. And the first job he has for him, it's not form an army, go and fight these guys. It's get your house in order. The first job that the angel has for Gideon, he says, 
there's a big idol in the middle of your town that is, belongs to your family, belongs to your father. I want you to go in the middle, I want you to go in the middle of the town and I want you to tear it down and I want you to build an altar to me. Because the Israelites had lost their way, they took their eyes off God. God says, before you do anything else, I want all the focus on me. I want to be sent to stage and I want to be the one who you're turning to and looking at. Remember when we learned about Peter and he was walking on the water? As soon as he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the waves and he got distracted, he started to sink. God's saying, I'm not having that. I'm not having this idol in the middle of the town if you're going to serve me. Go and tear it down. Turn back to me. First thing, that's the first job. Get your house in order. So Gideon says, okay, fair enough. Knowing there's going to be consequences. So he does it at night. He goes into the town and he tears this thing down at night and builds an altar to God and offers a bull on it. And the people in the morning wake up and say, oh, what's, where's that gone? Where, who's done that? So they make some inquiries and find out it was Gideon. Even though he did it at night, he obviously wasn't good enough at it. He wouldn't have made a very good spy. And they say, we want to kill him. We want to put him to death. How dare he desecrate this altar to our God. Gideon probably knew this was going to happen. And that's why he did it at night. He knew there was going to be consequences. And he did it anyway. He was going to be put to death by his own people for being obedient to God. But he did it anyway. He took a risk. He was obedient. He's only just met the angel. And he was willing. And then his dad steps in and says, hang on a minute. If this Baal character is really a god, let him defend himself. But you're not going to put Gideon to death. So he gets away with it because his dad steps in. (laughs) Good old dad. Don't let fear get in the way of obedience. How often are we scared of, of the outcome of something or the way the things we have to go through to do it? And as we'll get to later in the story that, you know, when God says do so and so, so and so, we kind of have an idea of how it's going to go down or what's going to happen at the end of it. And, and very often God just does it a completely different way and we go, oh, well, that was, that was fairly straightforward. We just, he just asks us to be obedient. So after this, we hear that the, the Midianites move into the area. And there's 135,000 of them move in. 135,000. It's a lot of people. It's more than you can fit in the auto arena. It's more than you can fit in Wembley. It's a lot of people. And it says in verse 34, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizrites uh, to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Isn't that a fantastic image? That They must have been panicking. They must have been thinking, look at all those people. And the Spirit of the Lord descends on Gideon, and he blows a trumpet and forms an army. And he sends out messengers to the area, and he gathers 30,000 people. 30,000 people is a big army. But it's not as big as 135,000. They're fairly well outnumbered. I think it's four to one. And then God says, you've got too many people. Now I must be thinking, what? 
So he says, I want you to get rid of some. So Gideon says to his army, right, if you're scared, you don't really want to be here, or you've been put off by the size of that army over there, you can go home. Get up and go. No pressure. Two-thirds of his army leave. He loses 20,000 people like that. And they're gone. There's 10,000 of them left. That's one to 13. It's not looking good, is it? And God says, great. Get rid of some more. Of course he does. So he takes them down to the river and says, right, drink from the river. And the way they drink, God says, I'll tell you who to send home and it will stay. And another 9,700 leave. 97% of the people who were left after the first time go. And there's 300 left. Just 300. I bet if I was in that army at that point, I'd have been thinking, can you ask the first question again? Because I'm starting to get a bit scared and I'd like to go home now. But they seem to be sticking around. And I don't know what was going through those 300 guys' heads as they walked to battle. But they must have been thinking, man, there was 450 Midianites to every Israelite. 450 to one. Those are the kind of odds that God can operate in, aren't they? Aren't they? This is ridiculous. Madness. It's audacious. And it's just what God needed to show them his power when he moves. And the march towards the battle probably thinking, I'm going to have to kill a lot of these people. This is going to, take, this is going to be hard, right? This. How am I going to kill 450 people? And how are all these people going to kill 450 people? That just doesn't happen. It's never happened. But like I said earlier, God's way wasn't man's way. They went. They were obedient. They listened to God and said, okay, fair enough. This is ridiculous. But we'll go. Before the go... They don't just stride into battle and get on with it. Gideon turns to God and says, right, we're at a kind of a critical point here, God. I need to know that you're in this. I need to know that I'm about your will. I need to know that I'm doing this right because I'm responsible for these guys' lives. And if they die because I've led them into battle, because I'm not doing what you've asked me to do, that's not okay. So show me, prove to me that I'm doing what you want me to do. So he lays out a fleece and says, I want the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry. And God does it. Says, yep, fine. Just one more thing, God, if I can just pester you one more time. Can you do it the other way around this time? Just so I know absolutely sure that you're in this. And God says, yeah, no problem. And he does it. Gideon knows. Gideon knows that he's about God's business. And he fills him with confidence and he's full of his spirit. He's got these 300 men who are willing to follow Gideon into battle. This scared little boy, he's leading an army against 135,000. What character, what, what bravery, what obedience, what a fantastic man. And they stand on top of the hill, and Gideon splits them into three companies and sends them different ways. And he says, says these words, in verse, chapter 7, verse 17. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly what I do. He leads by example. He started off with the right character. Moved through obedience. And that kind of, this verse to me shows that Gideon's the finished article. 
that God's work in him is, is come to fruition. And he says, just before the battle, he says, I'm going to show you what to do. Do as I do. And we're going to ask ourselves, if we're le- wherever we're leaders at, if we're leaders at home, at school, in church, wherever, if we lead a team here, do we lead by example? Is our heart right? Do we demonstrate the characteristics that we expect from our team? Do we put their needs before our needs? Are we selfless in service? It's a hard question to ask ourselves. Am I honest? I'm most some of the time, no, I'm not like that. And I should be. These last few weeks at work have been awful because people are getting laid off and my job's at risk. And to be people who are in less dire circumstances than me who aren't at risk are really low. Morale is rock bottom. How do I be positive for them? How do I pick myself up, even though I'm at greater risk than them, and say, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about them. Everything's going to be fine. Positivity. And I'm trying to lead these people and be, and be positive about it. Because that's, that's my responsibility. As a Christian in that environment, I need to stand in God's strength and say, I have faith and assurance that I'll be okay. And you're going to be okay as well because you have a God who loves you. And I have to do that, I have to do that by example. I have to be positive for them to be positive. Or it's just hollow words, isn't it? And so these, these 300 men split into different camps and Gideon hands out pans and lamps. No swords and shields, pans and lamps. And they stand on top of the hill and Gideon says, now. And they make a massive racket and there's panic in the Midianite camp, bedlam. And they wake up and they don't know what's going on. And they see all these lamps on the hill and all this noise. And God just sends fear through the camp. And they kill each other. Not a single Israelite kills anyone. And 120,000 Midianites die by their own hand. That's God's way. That's God's power. And then they, they chase them down and and capture the kings and kill them as well. This fantastic scene of God just stepping in and saying, I took a small band of obedient people and then I just moved. And to be honest, God could have done it without those 300 people. He didn't need them there. He could have given them a disease or whatever, but he wanted to give it to them. He wants to use us. He wants to use the small, timid boy who's threshing wheat in a wine press, who's hiding because he's scared. The fact of the matter is, God doesn't really need us to do anything. He wants us because he cares about us and he wants us to have a relationship with him. What good is it if he just goes around us all the time? We are his hands and his feet. Us, that's a responsibility that sits on every single one of us. Whoever we are, whatever we are, whether we're scared, whether we're brave, whether we're full of confidence or we've got no faith in our own ability whatsoever. Every single one, every face I see, the kids out the back, people who aren't here this week, God's saying, I want you. I want you and I want you to realize your potential when you put your trust and obey me. That's what this story is about to me. It's about what God can do when you simply say, okay, God, I've got excuses, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
because I'm sick. I'm sick of going through the motions. I'm sick of just going through the norms of threshing wheat in a wine press and hiding from these people. I've had enough. I want rid. And after the battle, the Israelites turn to Gideon and say, Man, you, you're, the, you're the man. Grief, you just look at all the people you've just killed and got rid of. God is absolutely with you. We, we want to follow you. Will you be our king? Gideon says, oh, no, oh, I don't want to be king. I don't. This is not, it's not what God's called me to be. A lot of people would look at this and think, okay, yeah, fair enough. I've, I've given myself for God and I've risked a lot. And, and this is God blessing me after the battle and, and saying, right, this is, your, this is your gift from God. For, this is your reward almost. But that's not, Gideon doesn't want it. God hasn't told him it's his. He's humble enough to say, I don't, I'm, I'm no king. I was the man for the moment. But I don't need to be king. Because he knew that he didn't need to be for God's purpose. And actually, it's just a man in the country. The, the Israelites stay faithful for 40 years. 40 years. Because he was around and he was, it was an example of quality of obedience to God. Let me just invite the band to come back up and why don't you stand? Let's let's close our eyes and, and pray to God. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to to take our heroes down off their pedestals. Help us not to look up to people, Lord, but help us to realize that they were just everyday people like every one of us. Help us to realize that when you move in our life, when we fully submit to your will and we're willing to be humble and servant-hearted that you can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your care for us. And I thank you that you want to use us and show us how we can be, how great we can be when we put our trust and faith in you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your wonderful plan. And you know the intimate details of what's going to happen, Lord. Help us to remember that as we, you ask us to go into situations where we're not sure about, Lord, or we, we're nervous. Help us just to fix our gaze on you and remember that you've already got it all sorted. That we have assurance of eternity because of you, you died on the cross. And no matter what happens here, Lord, that we have that in the bank. Thank you for this, this timid young lad, Lord, that, that went from being a nobody and you turned him into a somebody. That you looked at his heart and said, that's the guy I want. Thank you, Father. Amen.